welcome back. Hello. We're here again. Welcome to the Just a Couple of Bagels podcast, episode three. Yes. With me, Tom. And this is... I'm Sam. You should know this by now if you... haven't. Hello to anyone new. It's always nice to have new people. Ramblings as always. How have you been? Yeah, good. I mean, yeah. Starting to get back into swing swing now with coaching. Just as the rain starts. So typical. So, so typical. Because it's been... It's been off for the past like two weeks. Oh yeah, it's, it's been constant. Constantly bad, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You've got, you already haven't got the unpredictability, you just know it's going to rain every day. Yeah, it's a nightmare, but, you know, I refuse to go off court unless it's trimmed. <laughs> <laughs> I've sort of start, I've started that, because when it's sort of like, oh, it's raining, it's fine. you're a little bit more reluctant, but then it's like, oh, I can't be doing this. Yeah. I can't be doing this. And you're just like, oh, plough on. Oh, plough on and do it. Exactly. It's only a bit of water. That's very true. I mean, to be fair, most of the ones that I've been doing, they're, they're adult ones, so they're running around anyway, and they're an all right standard, so it's right, okay, yeah. not even paying attention to the rain. No, it'll be fine. I can get sweating anyway. Yeah. Give no, me a shower. Individuals, yeah, I say individuals are all right when you get to hit. Sometimes, like, like when you've got a mini red or something. Oh, well, you're standing around a little bit more. Yeah, you do. I do tend to get a bit colder, but I'm just like, it's fine. Had that a little bit today. Yes. I was running club lounge, just sort of standing there. It was all right in part, but it's just when it kept pouring down with rain. And you just have all the water coming down your face and you think, oh, no, I noticed this a little bit more. Yeah, but well, it's England, so we knew what we were getting ourselves into. Very true. Very true. But hopefully not for much longer, because I've got a holiday coming up. Okay. okay. I know. Never have I greeted such news from the Prime Minister with ha. so much enthusiasm. Yes. I need to get something booked now, the air bridge. You're going to be like the rest of 80%, I reckon 80% of the British population are now going on Jet 2, TUI and all sorts. Oh, there, yeah. are, there are other airlines available, by the way. Oh, <laughs> yeah, an advertisement. They'll be looking for any cheap holiday they can get their hands on now. Anything at all. Because, I mean, it's a lot of it's a lot of countries that they've... Well, I suppose it's Spain, France, Greece. There's 50... I think there's 50 countries so far. I haven't read the ones I was interested in. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're the main ones, though. Yeah. Okay, that's not too bad. Right, we're going a little bit off topic, so let's get into what's been happening in the tennis world this week. Tennis world this week. So, obviously, the big finale of the Battle of the Brits. Yes, it was. Dan Evans. Well, to be fair, he was very consistent all the way through, and I think he was, prob- he was probably the favourite going in there anyway. It was him. Cam, I think him, Cam Norrie, and Kyle, Kyle Evans. Yeah, I say I always bat Dan Evans. I like him; he's a good player. Find him a little. He's a little bit more interesting to watch than I'd probably say most of the other British players. I, don't, I think it's just his very. It's that one-handed backhand. That's what it is. <laughs> it is that one-handed backhand because I'm pretty sure he's probably because uh, Cam Norrie, double hander, I believe. Kyle's a double hander. Double hander, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I think he's a little bit more interesting to listen to as well. I think he's got a bit more of a personality about him. They're not all media trained and right. Yeah, so I didn't get too much watch too much of it, unfortunately. But from what I did watch, it was it was good. Sounds of it, it was a it was a success. Yeah, it was good. No no one got it. No one got any corona. (laughs) I think they're doing the women's one now, aren't they? Yes. I think it's not anything. I mean, we've got like nine nine Brody going down to play. Um, I didn't know the games. I've gone this one. But yeah, go on now. Go on now, mate. Go on, big up for the Northern Court. Yeah. Um, the only slight taint on it was Andy Murray retired from his third place playoff, so it was replaced by 
James Ward. Yeah. I but I was quite... I don't know. I'm hoping it's not injury. Because injury, then that could be really it for him. But uh, I don't... It didn't sound... If it was an injury, I think he would have said. I think it was more sort of keeping it reserved, sort of not pushing himself. I guess it doesn't make any sense to play for him to play a third and fourth. Because it's, it's a meaningless match, isn't it? Yeah, so he's probably no point pulling his body through that sort of thing. Well, he said to himself, he said he'd be happy if he made it into the weekend. Yeah. He was he happy well. if he got third in the group and he surpassed his expectations. Oh, yeah, no, he's playing well. He's, he's a good sign if, obviously, he didn't get injured. And that's where he is right now. It's a good building. I'd still quite probably. like him to go more into the doubles. I think if he went into the doubles, it'd be a lot more interesting and it would prolong his career. Maybe, but I don't think that's him, is it? No, it's not. Everyone's the same with Wimbledon again. Very true. Very true. Uh, and the only other sort of major tennis thing that came out this week as well is that the French Open have announced that they're going to try and get 60% capacity through Roland Garros. What a French thing to do. Uh, I think it's a risk. It, what, it is a serious risk because you look at all other sports because um, the US Open have announced that they're not. Yeah. They're going to do it behind closed doors. Yeah, it looks like they're going to cancel the Ryder Cup in oh. golf. Oh, I didn't know that. It looks like they're going to cancel it because you need the crowd for that. But like, because that's a proper that sort of a bit like um, it's where the Labour Cup sort yeah. of got its ideas from, like a Team Europe versus Team World sort of thing. Yeah, and obviously it's just built on the atmosphere of the crowd. So about the crowd, there's no point. Like, well, it's not going to be the same. No, no, definitely won't. So it's just yeah, I think. If all these big events aren't happening because, you know, lack of a crowd, then, you know, I don't think the French Open really should have no crowd. Have you watched much of the Premier League return? Because that's... I watched United matches. I don't, I haven't watched either ones. I've watched, been, I've watched bits, but... You haven't been as invested? No. I mean, I normally always only watch United matches mm-hmm. and I don't have time to watch anything else. Yeah. But, you know, it's, I think it's alright. I watch it with the crowd noise in the background. I was about to say, do you prefer it? Or yeah, I, just, I think it's weird watching. Oh. It, it feels like I'm watching the Sunday League sort of match. <laughs> um, I think the crowd, the crowd noise do help. And makes it a little bit more exciting. Even though there is a, like a delay. And there is a delay. It's like delay. Have a yeah. shot 10 seconds later. Yeah, like, oh, oh, the crowd goes, oh. <laughs> so I went, oh, half an hour ago. Oh, it's, it's nice that the making an effort with it. I think it is getting better. The delay isn't as bad as it was before. I think the slowly. I guess there has to be a guy pressing a button in the studio somewhere. You would have, you would have thought that, wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, it can't be because they've taken them from EA Sports, where they've taken the crowd noise. Have they? Yeah. So okay. it's basically so it's, it's basically the FIFA crowd noise. <laughs> that's funny. Okay, I like that. All right, that's quite good. Right, shall we get on to the main topic? Main event of the day. So it's quite a. I'm going to say sensitive. Topic. I think that's probably the best way of putting it. I don't think it has to be done still. I think no, no, there's a lot of things that the tennis tennis community needs to learn from it. But we're going to talk about the gender inequality in tennis, and I think we should both start by saying tennis is by no means the worst sport. I would probably say it's the best sport at the moment out there. Yeah, I'd probably agree with you. Out there for equality in terms of prize money and you know representation. I think, yeah, I couldn't, I mean, I don't know how to play tennis, but I think if you got someone off the street and say, oh, do you know any female tennis players? They could have suffered a few. Well, I'm pretty sure. Everyone knows Rena Williams. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure, because I remember when the um, Falls brought out their richest athletes. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Naomi Osaka was number one for the women's side. She now number one? She was number one for revenue for we think, oh, last year. So the ones who have been number one, Sharapova's been one. Serena's, Serena's been one. Serena's been one, now Osaka. 
I don't think Osaka's as well known in the, the I general it, public. I think it depends where you are. Here, maybe not, but if you go somewhere like Japan. Oh, of course, in Japan, you move like a, a star, but like, I think in terms of the general public, you go out into town centre and go, look, can you risk, list me off some players? Mm. You definitely get Serena, probably get Venus. Yeah, I would have thought you'd probably get Sharapova. You get Sharapova, you get Sharapova because she's obviously she's, she's now, she's also quite high in business now. Mm. I reckon you might get Caroline Wozniacki. Oh, uh, yeah. Yes, I, probably, I agree with that one as well. Um, the others, maybe not so much. Here, you probably would get like. You'd get Joe Conte. You'd get Joe Conte, you'd probably get Heather Watson. I'd yeah, say. I'd say the others, maybe not so much. Yeah. Because they're still going through the ranks. Yeah. Like Katie Bortner and Katie Swan. Mm. Uh, and Harriet Dart as well. Har- Harriet Dart's been very well as well. Yeah, but I like a game. Yeah, I think pe- people. It's a lot more exposed and what have you, but there are, I s- still think there's things to improve on. Oh, 100%. It's not perfect. Shall we go start? Shall we start with the main one? We'll, work, we'll try and work our way from sort of professional and then we'll focus on club stuff because I think it's two slightly different Yeah, it's different. Bits. Um, so from the professional side, uh, the first place that we probably looked at, we managed, managed to do quite a lot of sort of research into this and find loads and stuff on this. It was a lot harder f- to find the club stuff because it's not as well publicised. Because I know I tried to find my female participation in tennis. Yeah. So I went on the Sport England website and it was really hard to find it. You could find like general participation, right, yeah. but you couldn't find split gender and what have you. Right, okay. But you found quite a bit. Uh, the main thing is because everyone focuses on the Grand Slams because they're the main thing it was, was equal pay for them. I think it's a very controversial topic still. Definitely for me. I th- I agree with you, but then uh, but then it slightly balances out if I start talking about the ATP and the WTA tours. And we'll get on to it. So I think all, f- all four Grand Slams now have equal prize money for the winner of each slam. Yep. Uh, the US Open, for anyone who's interested, is both the men and the women receive $3.85 million each if they won the tournament. Yeah. And that was the latest one from 2019. I believe the last one to offer it was Wimbledon in 2007. Because I know those people like Serena Williams, Venus Williams, they both were campaigning quite a lot when it wasn't equal pay. Yeah. Um, But in 2007, they both received equal prize money for all the rounds. Right. I think, from my point of view at the moment, I think it's a bit controversial in terms of women only play three sets in the slam. I can I completely agree with you on the slam front. I think by the fact that men are spending more time, time on court because they're playing on average longer because yeah. they play best of five sets rather than the women who play best of three sets. Yeah, it's the equivalent of a man and a woman going for the same job, getting yeah. the same pay. However, the men was one one person's doing forty hours a week, the other person's doing say. 30, 20 yeah. hours a week. That's sort of the logic that yeah. I went through. The thing is, what I don't get is now, I don't know, I think women can blame on scheduling, scheduling or something, but there's no reason women can't play five sets. No, I think it would be quite interesting as well to see how it goes. I think you'd get new winners. It's completely different. It's not, I wouldn't say it's a completely different game, but no. it's, you manage it a lot, di- a lot more yeah. different. You see like Rafa, I think Rafa is one of those people who prefers Five on. sets because you can grind it out a little bit. Exactly, more. yeah. You're gonna get those one. The big hitters kind of go away a lot, but and get the. Because obviously, I don't. Know, I don't know how Serena Williams would 
baronet. Oh, she's a big hitter. She's an athlete. It's, it's, I think it's harder for, for me to judge her now than, say, if you were talking about, say, five years ago. I'd probably say she could handle it because probably, yeah, physically true. she's stronger than most of the women. Yeah, no, that's true. But I think um, I don't think there's any reason not for them not. No, and I think you could still you could still get big hitters who do quite well in five sets. John Isner, Kevin Anderson. No one is on them. Uh, Marin Cilic. There yes. you go. There's 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 my little bit. Yeah. U.S. Open champion. That's that's, yeah. a, good, that's a good little poke. Pub quiz. Since Federer won his first slam, can you name the people on the men's side who have won a Grand Slam other than uh, uh, other than Novak Djokovic, Rafael Nadal, and Roger Federer? Murray. Murray's one. Silic. Good. That's two. Um. Jesus, Bannon. There's there's one there's one glaring one that I thought you'd say straight away. Oh, was 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 Van. Wavrinka. Stan. Yeah, Stan the man. Stan the man. I Stan can't Vavrinka. never say his last name. Stan Wavrinka. Is that it? I think that... Uh, yeah. Yes. I think that is... I think that is it. I can't think yeah, of any... Yeah, because Raonic got his final one. Raonic got his final yes. Because um, I remember that Chilich one, it was Chilich and Kane Shikori who uh, were in the okay. final of that, which was quite weird. Yeah. Final. Um, yeah, I can't think of anyone. Then Andy Murray's... Obviously, won two Wimbledon's in the U.S. Open. Yeah, but there you go. There's a nice little bit of trivia knowledge for you. I, I feel like I'm missing a person out. But no, I, think, I can't think of who it is. Leave it in the comments if you can think of it. Oh, definitely, please. Um, Educate. Anyway, back to women in tennis. Yes. So um, I think obviously, in in terms of when you're playing the Masters events, they obviously get paid the same as well, which I back that more because they're playing the same sets. Actually, you're saying that. I found something out. I think it was Indian Wells. It was one of the American ones. Um, the prize money was different. Right, okay. The Met, uh, Roger Federer, I know, got roughly around 700000 US dollars. Yeah. And I think it was Serena who won the equivalent women's one. Yeah. I'm not sure if it was. And she only got $250,000. These two different events, though. No, I think they were both. They were both in the same place. But what obviously this is the thing that I come down to, and quite a few people in the professional game have sort of advocated for since lockdown and what have you. It's because the two different organisations who are running the tours. You've got the WTA yeah. and you've got the ATP. Yeah, it would be so much easier. And then you've got the ITF in there. That's yeah, that's different. If you just combine the two together, it would be so much easier to sort it out because you've got two different people, two different committees, yeah, coming up with different rules. Like women's have had, when the women's team have had coaching, coaching on court, yeah. which I'm I'm quite a big advocate for. I know some people say, oh, it's an individual sport; you should keep it out there. But I, I like that idea. Of, I like it as well, especially if we can hear it. Oh yeah, 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 because you get a little bit more into insight of what they're trying to do. Yeah, and I reckon you probably get some better tactical matches as well. Yeah, because of you and I have seen because we've done lessons where you're hitting and I'm watching. Yeah, and it's so much easier to sort of watch the person and analyze the person what they're doing than if you're there as some. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, it's so much easier, and you probably get possibly a better standard of match. So yeah. I think that you need a little bit more joined up thinking if you're going to solve the problem a bit more. Yeah. But they're going in the right direction, but yeah, definitely there needs to be unity between both the ATP and WTA. Um, obviously, I think the WTA is there because it's there to represent women, 
And I think. Well, it was set up by, I believe, Billie Jean King, who's done quite a lot. Oh, yeah, of course, big name. I think the only problem with obviously losing WTA would be there's the risk of losing the representation of women. Yes, but I, I reckon you could probably change it so it wouldn't like you wouldn't just get rid of the WTA and just call yeah. it the ATP. I reckon you'd call it something completely different. Right. I think that's where you get it, and then by doing that, you're getting a little bit more joined up thinking and more representation for everyone, really. Yes. Because there are, prob- there are other factors that could go into where certain people aren't represented as much in tennis as other people. Yes. That's what I'm going to. Um, other little statistics that I've found. Uh, the New York Times found that every 80 cent of the top 100 women, earn, the equivalent top 100 men earn $1. So there's a 20 cent difference. No, I think that's coming down to maybe sponsorship and could, could be, yeah. image rights and stuff like that um i think in terms you got i think in terms of like when people watch watch tennis on tv more like to turn on a men's game still why do you think why do you think that is because i think it's much more tactical a men's game i think at the moment even though women's game is getting a lot better it is i enjoy, i enjoy watching women's matches now a bit a lot more than i did when i started out in tennis but I think men's games are much more tactical. It's much more going on, and you get the big shots. You get, you get like you, there's not a character. I don't think at the moment there's really a character in the women's game like Kyrgios, or even jo- even Djokovic has outbursts and stuff. I think the women's game. Well, the only outburst there is when Serena Williams got angry at as this, in the final, and that annoyed people. This is the point that I think I, I'd made a note of it, but when that happened, she came out and she was very very vocal of how men are treated differently with code of conduct and stuff to women. Do you think that's true, or do you think she's? I think, I think she had a point, but I think the way she reacted and the way the, the way she, she handled it wasn't good. I personally think because I remember I remember watching it, I thought she's not she wasn't handling it in the right situation. Not sure. I think she really let herself down. I know she was emotional for her because she's obviously trying to get she's trying to get more slams and beat records. But I think the the way she handled it, especially for Azaka, who's that's her first slam. You know, all, all it's just seem like Serena Williams is trying to get the attention. It's not herself. her first one as well. She Does has had not? other. She has had other outbursts. I think yeah. one was at the U.S. Open as well. And to be fair, I can slightly sympathise with it because that's her home slam. That's where everyone yeah. sort of expects her to win. So yeah. her emotions are obviously going to be heightened up a little bit more. But I agree with you. I don't know if the I don't know if the men are treated differently. Really, I don't think so. I think. They get the same sort of warnings, but I think they get. I think they just get on with it. Hmm. Majority, obviously. Kyrgios, so would you say they're not as argumentative? Yeah, I think Kyrgios argues, but you got to say Kyrgios obviously does a one-off. I think they get the warning and they get on with it. Well, can you t- can you argue that Serena's a one-off as well? You could do, yeah. Um, I'll say both react pretty well to it, but I just feel. I don't know. I feel like three wins, three wins, and it's, it's hard, like, isn't it? Because you probably have, you'd have to analyse so many matches, yeah. and you've got to make sure that people are almost breaking the code of conduct a little bit. I think everyone has their outbursts, haven't they? Oh, I think it's a natural thing to do. You got when you're in a situation where you've got thousands of people watching you play tennis. There's a higher element like, of risk. I'm not watching Bosniaki, but have a outburst once and I was like, well, this is crazy. This is what was Yaki, but the calmest version on tour. It's, 
but then uh, then you're going into the realms of different personalities, aren't you? Where some people keep a lid on things better than other people. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And I think so, you could also argue into yeah, it's the per, it's the personality. I think that's when you're getting into it. Yeah, you get your big personalities who clash against each other, but um, it is what it is. It's one of those. I think. It's, yes, it's one, it's one of them. Um, it sounds a bit like we're sort of bashing tennis a little bit, but as we said before, it's one of the better sports, or if not the best sport for equality. And it's by far, I think. Next to that, you might have athletics. Yeah, I could go with that. Athletics. I mean, I'm comparing this to not not exactly pay, but in terms of representation, I can name athlete like female athletes. Yeah. Four players. I, even though I started watching like you know the England World Cup and Women's World Cup and Euros and stuff, I, I can't name players. I don't think I can reckon. I'd recognise one walking in the street. Really, women's football? No. Um, I don't know. I you know follow like the United's women's football. I think that helps well, because if it's not as you said, if it's not represented enough, people won't even know it exists. Yeah. That's the problem. I just when think it's, yeah. I don't know why. I, don't, I mean, I, have, if, I don't know why I don't recognise women's footballers as much. I mean, because obviously the thing is about athletics, I watch on TV. Yeah. Women's football, I watch on TV every what every now and then when it's England play. I don't watch United United's team play. I watch as I, I get the news updates. Ah, uh, okay. Because I haven't actually watched the games. So I probably. Well, it's, um, is it watch handle it? I reckon it'll be on MUTV and. Think uh, is it or is it BT? Well, you know, women's games. Yeah, Super League. I don't know. To be fair. But yeah, I think it is that representation and making sure people know it's happening. Yeah. Because very recently, Real Madrid have now bought a team in Madrid and are calling it the Real Madrid women's team now. Yeah. So I think the more high-profile people and teams do it, yeah, the more represented it will become. Hundred percent. Yeah, I which think, then means the more money you get into it, and the higher and the higher the standard will be. Yeah, obviously, I think the internet, in terms of women, the sport of the radio and wellings and netball, isn't it? Yeah, that's really going through now. Is you know they've got the right to Sky Sports, and you could you could be picky as well of saying, oh, they're not represented in such and such a sport, but it just it doesn't mean. I think it's one of those sports, yeah. isn't it? That you know, it's like um, I've got quite invested in. Um, because with rugby, I don't follow a team, but I'll always follow England whenever England on. I always yeah. follow England, and I've started watching more of the women's rugby as well. Which, to be fair, the standard isn't the standard is different. Yeah, there is a higher standard with the men, but I think that's because they're a little bit further on. They're paid a lot more, and there's more money in the game, and that's yeah, it. 100%. but I still enjoy watching it. I think in terms of like watching when you watch England play, you always I think you enjoy watching your own country play. Oh yeah, behind them, I think it's always easier. Like I would never go and watch women Chelsea's women team play. That's because you're not team. invested in it because that's not your team. Yeah, no, but this, I think that at times like, I'll watch Chelsea's men's team play against mm-hmm. Liverpool men's teams. I'm not invest. I mean, it might be invested in terms of you know top four positions and whatnot. Yeah, but I would never do that for women. So this wouldn't interest me. Yeah, fair enough. So, um, but I think they are going in the right direction. No, I mean, to back up some of the stats I'm saying tennis is probably one of the better sports, if you look at basketball, the NBA average pay is $240,000. Yeah. 
Yeah. You compare that to WNBA, it's just eleven thousand dollars. Yes. <laughs> comparing yeah, no, you compare it. Yeah, it's a massive change. It is a massive change. Yeah, no, it's it's huge. It's um because it is again. It's just it's just all to do with image rights. People watch men's men's sports, and I don't think women's are anywhere near that at the moment. In you terms think of it. So? Not in that, not in a kind of football. Football so far. So football even... back that up on the. Um, so there was a quite a hope, quite a high profile story with the um, U.S. football team. Yeah. Um, because the women wanted equal pay than the men's, and they said if both teams won twenty non-tournament games, and this yeah. is between twenty sixteen and twenty eighteen. Yeah. The men's received. $263,000 each and the team makes around $49.9 million. Right. The women's team only gets $99,000 but then they make more money. They, they make $50.8 million. So that's interesting. In that terms, then, yeah, the women's have a right. If they got that of them, you know, if they could take them, I don't know how they do it, but you know, them stats, if they are accurate, then yeah, women should be paid more or equal. I mean, I think it's a, it's slightly different, slightly different thing because I know the men's teams, all the the for, from the football, the England national team, the money that they would get given for each match, they donate to a charity or something. So they they don't. Yeah, I, I mean, get, I don't think you should be represent your country. You shouldn't be paid. paid. No, maybe. However, you, yeah, you when you're in the, yeah when you're in the position that the women's game is in. The women's game, yeah. It helps. Yeah, I think the women get a lot from playing for England, so fair enough. I think the men's, though, they, don't, they shouldn't be getting paid. No. no. I, I understand the women getting paid, because that's where they get the most, the most views. Um, so from people who have said things, uh, both Rafa and Novak have argued men should earn more as they attract more people, which is what you were sort of I saying. I think they do. Yeah. I think... You can even see it at Wimbledon. I think if you get the finals, but if you look at week one, a court will be filled for the majority of men's rounds one, two, three. Women's rounds, unless you get a really, really big name, like, you know, unless you get your Williams on, but a stat like a player, I'd even say a Zaka. Really? You're not, I don't think you're full of stadium in week one of Wimbledon. <laughs> Against some wild card player. Which is going to be six one six one in what half an hour? Half my pims. It's... The time I go out and get my pims to mm. come back in the queue, the game's, game's over. Do you think that? Do you think that's down to the entertainment factor as well from it? I think so. I think when you watch, I mean, obviously the men are not like you watch Rod Fedger, He'll wipe the floor with the first round opponents. You know, most of the time. Most of the time, <laughs> but I always feel like there's. It's something, there's something there. There's always that that challenge event there. I think they have some more, it's always something extra when you're watching that kind of match. I just feel like when you watch a, it's like a 16, 17 year old girl play against Serena Williams, you're just there like, no, not a chance. Because if you look well, at. Except for Goff, you got to obviously go for Goff. Incredible mm. player, she's one of a kind. And I think she, I know people use the term lightly, but she might end up transcending the sport. Yeah. Because she's been very vocal about Black Lives Matter recently. Even at 16 years old, yeah. she's comfortable to talk about these issues and 
spread them around to people. It shows a real maturity. Yeah. Which is, can only be good for the game. The point that I was going to come on to, if you look at sort of the changing of rankings yeah. in the men's and the women's, there's a lot more fluidity in the women's. Yes. You get a different number one most times, where if you look at the men's, it's Novak, Roger, Rafa, they're all alternating, oh, yeah. all alternating those positions. Yeah. Would you how what would you put that down to? I think they're a generation that we might never see this again in terms of and they're all incredible athletes. No one's, no one's I think in that determines that kind of goal. You, you could even put Andy Murray in people going back a couple of years. Well you you put and you could put Andy Murray, you could put Stan Brinker in then now. Yeah. Possibly Dominic team yeah. today. It's but into that golden like triad, I think. All sorts of great athletes. And I think if you look at the Players who are meant to be breaking through and they haven't done it. Uh, Dimitrov should have been up there. Never well, there it. was that long, it was that lost generation of it was like Dimitrov, Nishikori, yeah. Raonic, who we thought these guys are going to knock them off. And then no. Uh, and then they they got fitter. They got they they got fitter and they went away and stayed. They didn't they didn't challenge. Then we had Zwerro. Zwerro's been to the next. Um, big thing. I'm slightly sympathetic for Zverev because he's had personal things that have distracted him from the game. So I, I'll yeah. give him that a little bit. True. Hopefully now everything goes all sorted out so he can. Yeah, I'd say so. He's, I think defensively, obviously he's had this personal matter. Maybe that's why mentally he's not strong enough to do it yet. But it's just I think that's what I think right now the men's game is getting more entertaining because everyone wants to watch Roger, Rafa, and Djokovic because they don't have that long left. We think unless it's, they're going to play into their 50s. Yeah, they might, they might do. But then again, if you look at it from a women's point of view, like every time all the pundits get asked, it's like, who do you think is going to win men's Wimbledon? It's the age-old things of Roger, Rafa, Novak. It's one yeah. of those three. When it comes to the women, they're, they're very no, umming and ahhing that they don't know who is going to win it. Probably, probably Serena, but... At this moment, I don't think she's as a concrete bet now no. as she was a few years ago. And she's got a couple of times left in her head. Oh, I reckon. I reckon because she's got to a few finals and she's just not turned Crumbled. up in some of the finals, which I think it's that pressure of trying to get the record for most slams. Yeah, that is the pressure now. Um, but you could argue then that it's... A more ent- it should be a more entertaining game to watch because you don't know who's, who's going to win. win. Yeah, I think because I just suck up when you watch Federer play and you watch Djok- especially like Djokovic and Nadal, they're such athletes. The rallies are like the game twenty rally like twenty shot rallies all the time. They're hitting some incredible shots and you just don't see that as much in the women's game. You don't so, see the long rallies. You don't see the. But then, even don't. Women's game, I think women's games is much more... They're both two completely different games. I think it's much more women's games to get the point over as soon as possible. That's what, I, I think half, that's what you're saying it's tempting now. I, I, half, I half agree with you by the result that they get the point over as quickly as possible. Um, but I've always thought the women's game is flatter, they don't have as much top spin, it's more oh, yeah. who, can, who can hit the ball the hardest and keep it in. Which, which goes with finish the points as quick as possible. Yeah. The men's game is all about your spin, get the top spin in court. There's a lot more variety with the men's game than there is. It's all breaking down your opponent. Getting that yeah. rally, 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 wait for that short, the basic wait for the short one, wait for them to make that sight mistake and pounce on it. Whereas the thing is, women's is 
especially when you look at Serena, it's just poof. and when you look to Sharapova in the early days, oh, yeah, especially yeah, yeah. when I was reading a book, all the coach used to do was feed her basketballs and hit, her, told her to hit it as hard like possible. That's like, uh, do you remember Yelena Ostapenko who won the French Open? Yeah. Who literally just whacked the balls? Yeah, I think it's slightly changing now because you've got people like Ash Barty, you've got some other Halleps who different, are different, isn't it? Who are progressing it a little bit more? Who yes. have got different styles? I, I know Ash Barty's been lauded as having a little bit more topspin. She has more variety to her game, which is brilliant for female tennis. I think Ash Barty, she, she didn't. She obviously took the cricket route first. Yes, she, she never went through all the the system sort of. What every other player is doing tour, which might be a great thing for the tour. This is quite an interesting thing, actually, because I, I don't know what I was listening to or what I was reading to come across the information. With the amount of effort and time you've got to put into tennis, do you think that girls, when they're growing up, they're very sort of singularly on tennis and they don't do other sports so they're not as well-rounded athletes as it's just our transaction into the pubs side of female things it's a, it's a little bit but we can revert back to a little bit more because there's a load more that we can talk about um, from the professional game i think i don't know i'd say in terms of girls they have a lot of going a lot of going on i think a lot more than boys i think boys to a degree are slightly different but they choose sports and stick to sports Women, uh, girls, when young girls are doing everything. Yeah. Ballet, you know, just being stereotypical, but ballet, you know, art, aiming to do the arts, and then they've got the sports going on. They tend to be more social. Mm. So always, you know, meeting up with the, especially as they get into teenage years, which is why I, I've always had this problem as a coach. You have a great player when you're 12, and all of a sudden, teenage years hits, and you start losing them. Social yeah. life. It, that that is hard, and they've really got to be I think focused on it. It's a focus for a girl. I think. I mean, if you get a girl who's focused purely on tennis, and you you've got to revit the jackpot there. Oh yeah. But I've never had a girl whose pure focus is is tennis. I've had girls who I've got netball next week. I can't train. Like great. Obviously, you get that the same boys that I've got football on me. I've got cricket this week. You know. It's, all, it's the same with all kids, but when you need, when they get to the age of like 12 and something, they need to start stashing things. Yeah. No, I think I boys do a lot better than girls do. You think girls sort of Hang stick, on. keep everything. It's everything, like they good down, which is fine, but you can't excel. It comes back to uh, the research that someone told me about where the German Football Federation, um, in order to improve the athletes at a younger age, Got them to do a wide variety of sports. So oh, they, did, we, they did everything. From a young age, get get play every sport possible because it actually helps. You know, playing different sports is really helpful. But once you get to that important years in terms of development, you know, when tournaments become more important, and you need to start getting rid of all of them, but slowly start getting rid of the ones you don't want to do. You can't you can't cling on to every single sport. No. The sports that I gave up, which I still wish I played now, but obviously it's kind of hard to fit it in. You know? Mm-hmm. So it's, I think boys do it a lot better than girls. I, I, can always, I reckon I could always get more commitment out of a boy than I could. Okay. I think honestly this is great. I mean, when I, went, when I went to university, some of the girls I saw play there, incredible. The commitment to the game was 
you know, you know, you got to add to the game. But in terms of, I think you get you get that a lot more with boys. You get a lot more, especially in the club level. Girls just drop out. Okay. Um, going back to the professional game, um, when you were suggesting that we watch men's more. Uh, there was a quite a surprising thing I found out, and I don't know if it's the American people who are a little bit more, they'll watch anyone and all this sort of thing. Um, but from data that somebody found out, from 2010 to 2014, the Women's US Open final draw, um, it drew a, larger, drew a larger audience in America than the men's final did. Was there an American player in it? Probably Serena, so that's probably why. She's a, she's one of those who's she's known. Yeah, well, part of that was due to Serena appearing in four four of the finals. Yeah. Um, but then I think more... Americans are very much like that. You know, I think all Ameri- the majority, obviously, the majority of sports Americans play. Only Americans play. Yeah. NBA, NFL, NHL. Have you watched The Last Dance? No. What if I watched it and? It, um, I heard someone talking about a podcast and I completely agree with what they said. I think Americans have a much different mindset to sport than we do. We look at all the tactical, technical stuff and all this. Like If someone is tactically good, we, yeah. look, we look at that and focus on that. In America, if you watch the stuff, it was very, if you especially watched the Last Dance documentary, it was very much focused on effort. If yes. we put more effort into this, we will be better than them. Yes. I think, yeah, I probably do agree with that. The whole outset, the whole, you can go, you can go and have another conversation about this, but it's, it, the whole outlook on sports is completely different to ours. There's scholarship programs for sports, a leap and bounce head no, yeah, yeah. in England. You know, in terms of anything, I know obviously NFL is the big one, but any sport. If you look at just college sport in general, it's huge. It's, I mean. When I went to America, I went to his like, college stadium and I'm like, capacity like 70,000 seats yeah college is like what the hell <laughs> well when you look at all the football teams going ahead I remember someone talked about when they went to go and follow Manchester United on pre-season tour when they went to America they stayed at they worked out and trained at these universities oh the university I mean yeah the universities the training facilities and you would think if they went to like Bath or Loughborough or something like that yeah they'd have to use the whole thing and then the students wouldn't be able to use it. Yeah. Here, it was like, okay, yeah, just go over there, we'll go over here. Yeah, it's huge. The facilities, it's, I'd say it's the standard Yeah. of what most Premier League football teams yes. have. That's the standard that they're dealing with. The ones I, yeah, so the ones I saw when I was out there, just, they're just huge, massive complexes. You know, it's, you know, they're, they're incredible. You get all the big universities, like you've got UCLA, you know, which, you know, there's the massive, huge sport university in California, mm. and the the campuses are just massive, just for sports. And it's, I think obviously Loughborough is the closest we're going to get, and it's nowhere near. Yeah, but again, and that's again, money. Yeah, it's money. Um, a little bit more background than that. When you were talking about it's because Serena was in the final, but more people tuned in to watch Kim Kleister's win in 2010 than they did for Rafael Nadal's victory for the same year. And that was by more than 1.5 million people. You know, it's Kim Kleister's playing. 
I'm guessing it was Serena. So you can imagine if she was losing, it'd turn off more. But the fact that they still had it there, and it's Nadal. Americans love Americans. That's very true. I think that's what they're brought up on. It's they're broken. They're broken up. But you have to remember, as I said, all their sports they play, only Americans play them. Mm-hmm. These have these World Series of like baseball. You can't call it World because the only Americans play it. That's very. Do you know what I noticed that about basketball as well? Yeah. It's called the World Series. It's, it's like, like it's an only in America. Yeah, if you look at all the all the like rosters, it's just American players. So they're brought up on just watching American players play. They don't watch. They don't care about Andy Murray. No. Andy Murray, an Andy Murray Dracovic final to them means nothing. Yes. For me, like watch, I I'd happily watch an, an, an Adele Dracovic final. I'd watch that. It's incredible. But to them, it's like, he's not American. We've got nothing to support. <laughs> you know, if, we, if, if, if the British yeah. went off, though, we haven't got anyone to support. No one would play tennis. Because we've, we've only got Andy Murray. Yeah, I think we'd, I mean, we went through the phase of sort of, Tin Henman had retired and Andy yeah. was starting to come yeah. through but wasn't the figure he was. Yeah. So people still play tennis and I think that yeah. won't stop. We will still play tennis. True. But you look in America, they don't play rugby, they don't play cricket. They play it, but it's... It's not rare. as, it's not, it's not as yeah. prominent. It's getting better. I mean, I think American rugby is getting better. That was another thing. Um, the other little point, continuing the slams, was... Um, would you say that male matches are more likely to be put on the bigger show cups? So your Rod Laver arenas, your centre court at Wimbledon, your Arthur Ashe court at the US Open. When they get good representation on that, it's evenly spread out. If you would you say so, you think they are spread out then? You wouldn't say there's like a favourability to it. No, I don't think there's open. I, not in recent years. I don't say. I, I don't think that was, I think it's always even. One thing got the main two, which is sends from one. Two's getting better now. In the USA, the grandstand, the grandstand, um, Rash. Yes. One more. There's three good stadiums. Uh, is it the Louis Armstrong? Louis Armstrong, yeah. Yeah, them three are the big ones, and they're yes. They get equal representation. So, so I think we Well, I always remember. Do you remember the? Um, I don't know. We probably, we've probably mentioned this in the other two podcasts, but from the Andy Murray documentary. Remember when he was warming up in Australia, and he said that the Margaret Court Arena was the better one to play on rather than Rod Laver. Yes. Just from the different types of crowd you get in it. Yeah. So necessarily being on a bigger show court might not make for a better match. Is the argument your crowd might respond completely different, and because. Players feed off crowds. Oh, I think, yeah, in any sport, players feed off the crowd. But it's... it's a, that's a hard thing to call for, because you, like that, you probably have to look at back of all the viewing figures to see if there was anything in between it. It's one of them. I think in recent years, I'd, I'd, I'd be pretty on it saying it's equal representation in tennis. Fair enough. Shall we get into the clutch? I think we've Badgered on, we've yeah. badgered on about the professional game. Should we move on to the club level? Because we've men- we've mentioned about girls losing interest a little bit. Yeah. I did a little bit. This is why I put my journalism hat on. Nice. I did a little bit of digging and asked some female coaches. There was three main questions I asked. 
Number one is I gave quite... They were all very broad questions, yeah. which was quite annoying. I asked, why don't women go into coaching as much as men? Interesting. Second was, why do girls drop out? Which I, I, I can give you some substance to that. And then to sort of help combat it, I asked, how, what can we do as coaches yeah. to keep girls interested in the sport and get them to progress further? And I showed you the information that I got given, and it was it was very honest, is the word I'd use. And there was quite a lot of things that make sense. Yeah, I think well, you have to be honest. I think it can never be progress for most people face to face. Yeah, people I think try so. and hide behind stuff and will never progress. People try and give a politically correct answer. And yeah, try and sort of which slows down. It slows down because it's not necessarily true, and basically you're answering a question with nothing. Yeah, it's all right saying, "Oh, it's pretty much the representation of girls, and girls do stay, but they they get distracted. If you if you go be nice about it, then they're never going to be progress." There has to be stone cold truth saying, you know, there are a lack of representation of female coaches out there. Yeah, I think I've only ever been coached by, I mean, less than a handful of coaches, of female coaches actually struggling to think. Shall we go into our own sort of personal experiences first off? So when we did, let's go with our level three because that's the big one. With How much did you I have? We, I'd say I can account. That's in it. Today. I think there's three, three girls in my level three. Okay. It's pretty good going to I think I had, similarly, I think I had about two or three. Yeah. Both of whom... I got on with quite well and I thought they could do the job really well, actually. Also, I'd say no more than get up with a very better coach than me, yeah. by far. Not much, much more experience than I had. I think one of them, they've been coaches at level two for quite a few years and a lot of school programmes. A much faster, I learned a lot from her. I don't think the problem here is that female can't, females can't be good, women can't be good coaches. They can be, they're better, some of the best coaches are females. I think mean, it's just lack of representation for them. Well, and Andy Murray is a big advocate for that because he had Amelie Moresmo as his coach yeah. for a period of time and wanted to sort of use that as to sort of say, well, look what these female coaches can do. Yeah. The thing that we got from it was, and I'll paraphrase a little bit, uh, but there are a lot of coaches in tennis that are female. However, they're seen as helpers with mini red groups. Yeah. So it's not making that transition from helping and sort of the coach yeah. assistant to being the full fledged level three, level four, level five coach. I think a lot of times I think a lot of her coaches someone will see, oh, she'll be great with kids. I think that stereotype of girls are better with kids than with boys. Let the let the guys look after the older kids while the girls babysit the younger ones. I think what you're going to there is based on the person's personality. I think it's stereotype. It's, it's poor for you looking at oh, personality. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of coaches go, oh, that's the girl, she'll be great with kids. It's that mothering nature they have. It's before you, as soon as you walk through the door, you're a girl, you're going to a rest session because you're going to be better with kids than he is. Well, I mean, not to blow my own trumpet, but I know I've had quite a few people saying, saying to me, you are really good with 
kids teaching them and getting on with them and making sure that they enjoy it. I used to hate it. I used to avoid it at all costs. I ne- Do you know what I never hit? I think because it, fir- it was the first thing that I did. Yeah. I didn't know anything different, so I just sort of got on with it and ended up enjoying it. I enjoy it now. When I first started coaching as a volunteer, I purposely only volunteered hours which I knew they were green balls and higher. Oh, really? I avoided red balls. I hated it. I hated the idea of it. I didn't know how to approach it. And now, obviously, I can now. Mm. But when I first started, I just... I met one of the coaches at uh, my university pushed me into doing that a lot more. He's like, you got, you got, you got to learn how to do it. you got to be comfortable. And then I did. Yeah, it's... Oh. You... There you're dealing with, I like to always think of when you get someone who's never played tennis before, it's usually a child, you, what you've got there is a blank piece of paper. Oh yeah. There's nothing there. You, whatever you teach that child, they will be given for the rest of the time. And if there are bad kinks that you haven't sorted out, they will stay with that and you pass them on to the next person and they'll have to sort those kinks out. Yeah. That's oh, yeah. the difference. Oh, you get it all the time when like, I'll go to, a, I'll take over an orange group or something. And you, oh, you're doing an orange group, and then next thing you know, you're getting a new kid in who's done the red, you know, done a red session for two years, and they come, and you just look at them hit a ball, and you're like, who has coached you? They they have no principles. No. Sometimes like, often it's not normal. Is the coach and it isn't the coach. Sometimes you get that kid who is just bad at tennis, and only plays once a week, doesn't really listen. That I'd go as far as say they're not bad at t- bad at tennis. They've not been given the opportunity to be good at tennis. Whether that's their fault or someone yeah. else's fault, I think they haven't been given the opportunity yeah, to I get think- better. Because as we've said before, if you do one lesson a week, you're not going to get any better at anything. No, it could be anything. It doesn't have to be tennis. Yeah. It could be playing a musical instrument. If you're doing, it's not having one lesson a week. It's only playing that sport once a week. Yeah, one lesson a week is fine. But you don't need to go out and practice that. If you're going for one lesson and coming back and not trained anything that you've learned. No, yeah, so we rephrase it. If you're doing one hour of that sport yeah. a week, then it's pointless. You might as well, you might as well do zero. Yeah, it's, it's just as effective, yeah. especially on a kid's level because they oh, yeah. forget everything. It's, it is hard, especially with kids as well, keeping them interested. And again, look at that And what's I still think, even though that we've both said we're level three coaches, and people might think, oh, that's base level. I still think that it takes. A very large amount of self-confidence, persistence, and stubbornness, really, to get into coaching. Because it's a set, it's one of those things where you've got to create your own reputation of being a good coach. Yeah. And I definitely experienced this at Lloyd's where you didn't make any money unless you could attract people to give private lessons. No, that's, for. The, that's the what. No matter where you're at, that's the whole idea of coaching, unless you. You can be, unless you're approachable, you're not going to make any money in coaching. Oh, yes, definitely. You know, but again, there are bad coaches out there who do make money. So, you know, it's one of those. But yeah, you need to be confident as a coach, stubborn. But yeah, I don't, I don't think there's an, I don't see why that is a barrier to women. I, same with them, it takes a lot of persistence and dedication I think even more stubbornness really yeah because I reckon you will get those people who will try and undermine them yeah with things if we look if we look at it how many people are on your level 3 group I reckon there's been off the top of my head about 10 of us 10 so 3 of them were women yeah, yeah. 7 of them were men yeah 
So they're in the min- in the minority for it. Yeah. That if you've got because stereotyping a little bit, but boys are more a little bit louder, the more confident with what they're doing, especially yeah. if they're surrounded by other boys. Definitely, you yeah. see an all boys group compared with an all girls group. Yeah. The all boys group would be running around shouting their heads off and all yeah. this sort of thing. For a girl, I reckon that can be quite. Intimidating. intimidating especially so that might be a barrier that's put in the way so they don't feel particularly comfortable with it yeah no I do agree um, it is tough but again the RTA can't afford to do women's only a level 3 coaching it wouldn't make any sense mm. well I mean it would but is there a demand for it when I demand level 1 and 2 I had the grand total of zero girls in my course. Really? See, yeah. I, I, find that, I find that slightly shocking because all the way through my level one and level two, there were definitely girls on my courses who yeah. were taking it. And going back to what we were saying about them being maybe helpers, Yeah. the helpers, you think of the level ones and the level twos. Yeah. If they're not there, where are they? I don't know if my, what? I don't know if there's a one-off. I just got on thought my group was unlucky with not getting any girls. But I thought you'd get one or two at least. So that could, I mean, that could be a case for... If they're not there, in a sense, they're, they're not, there aren't as many helpers as possible. I don't think, think in our area, girls' tennis is great. I'm Do you mean in the Cheshire? In Cheshire, Cheshire, yeah. I don't think it's great. In terms of what I've seen, I think there's other counties out there that are much better in terms of getting players out. I think Lancashire's a lot better. I think Lancashire, I would probably agree with you, is a lot better. Um, I think Cheshire's really lax. I haven't seen the, I haven't seen the latest squads, but in terms of female coaching around her, there aren't not many. That... I think is quite a good point. There aren't the female role models for girls to look up and say, she's a great coach, I want to be just like her. Yeah. There aren't the female role models. No. So obviously there's one, how many female coaches are there at David Lloyd's? At David Lloyd there's two. Okay, now name me how many head coaches there are in Cheshire that we know who are female. Ooh. Unfortunately, I'm going to, I don't think I know any. No. And we know quite a few coaches. Yeah. None of them are female. There's female coaches, but there's not Head, head coaches. This is the problem we have. That, I think we're in sort of a very precarious situation. I can't speak for the counties, I don't know what it's like. No, no, I don't but think... But I know of coaches from other counties, I know players from other counties, just for university. Mm. And they're great players, great coaches. But I'm lacking, I'm just, I'm just, there's a lack of that in Francesca. This is this is the point, and to be fair, two, um, I'll be quite honest, fairly inexperienced coaches in terms of other coaches shouldn't be answering this question on a little podcast like this. No, it's big these big. Qu- these questions should have been put to the LTA and what have you. Say why aren't why aren't these helpers making a step up to coaches? Why aren't you giving? these what could be very very talented female coaches the opportunity to become role models for the next people who want yeah. to be who want to be coaches for the next lot of girls who want to be the next Joe Conter or 
yeah, Serena Williams or want to be a tennis coach themselves. It's do you think, in all honesty, that the LTA is trying hard enough? I think the LTA is doing what it can to, it's doing enough just in terms of putting money out there, advertising it. What I what I find a lot of the LTA initiatives is they, they give it a good game for two years and then they kind of stop it and they go, It's there, but that's enough of it. That's enough of it. It's sort of enough to say, Oh, we're doing this. Yeah. Is that the tennis of kids? The first two years, incredible. We had these courses to go on where you got, you know, Leon, uh, Leon Smith, Anwar Croft, all the big names, like, you know, help, like, you know, having a good day with them. Coaching. you got a hoodie and stuff. Hoodies, trackies, all these banners, free balls. Incredible. This year, I was like, oh, it's an online thing. Yes, I've seen that. things. I did it. It was horrendous. Literally horrendous. The most boring thing I've ever done. Not inspiring. And I think you get, you don't get any kit anymore. And I think you get pack of balls and that's it I mean you get your pack which is like stickers and whatnot, but you can go online and get them there's nothing special that's it comes down to the point where like you said where people they're doing just enough so people don't get on the back yeah and like anything if you go with anything if you do just enough to get on yeah one it won't be beneficial for you no and two I don't think it'll be enjoyable as well no. If you do something to just good enough, it's not satisfying. You don't get the self-satisfaction for doing something. It just doesn't happen. If you go up, turn up, do your lessons and what have you and sort of coast through it, you won't enjoy it as much as if you're really sort of committed to the player and trying to get them better and improve them. You know the RTA is doing something wrong when they haven't themselves produced a player in donkey's years and they don't get Andy Murray. Judy Murray coached Andy Murray and then he went to Spain when he was 12. There's a perfect role model. And he doesn't... That, Judy, gets the, Judy gets the credit for it. And oh, yeah. the coaches in Spain. The LTA didn't touch him. Who the, who the LTA actually... If you think of it, Joe Conta lived in Australia. Very true. Laura Robertson was brought in, in Australia, I'm pretty sure, as well. So don't get them. Who do they actually get to name, name, like, you know, name, name claim to? This is, yeah, I think this is, this is probably another subject for a If podcast. you went to the committee on the LTA and said, who do you, who actually produced? Name me the player you produced, because you haven't. No. You literally, you can say to him, we didn't win anything. No. Finally, you can say, oh, well, Kyle Adams going up. Great. What's he won? I find it, I find it, well, I find it slightly harsh to criticised Tim Hemming because I thought he maximised what he had oh he was a good player that's that's what I'm going with I thought he maximised everything he had to the best of his ability however you had really really talented people like Andre Agassi Pete Sampras so what do do Americans do different that's the thing that's probably one thing that we'd have to look into different stuff I think that should still be convinced the other to pursue stubborn they believe what they're doing is good enough that's where I think people fall into the wrong mindset. You have, it's a bit like, it was a funny thing that I remember hearing where they say, if you're on a bus and you don't see the crazy person on the bus, you yeah. are that crazy person. Yeah. The LTA is that crazy person, especially in the North, LTA North's the worst. Well, we've talked about the, on the coaching side, we've, I definitely feel it's neglected with the different courses that we have. Yeah, I'd say LTA North is by far the worst organisation of sports I know of. 
Apart from FIFA. Apart from FIFA. FIFA's a full I mean, literally, okay, representative. FA is pretty good. Cricket, cricket up here is, we've got Lancashire, you know, we've got Lancashire, Yorkshire, some of the greatest cricket teams. Football. Football. Bloody hell. We've got great teams. Rugby, you know, you've got Leeds Rhinos, Sale Sharks, Wigan. Yes. You know, you got all these, uh, you've been in either sports, but you get all the, you get athletes produced all the time, teams produced all the time. Look at tennis. Where is everybody? Everyone, it's the, the annoying thing is, right, you got, it's great that these tournaments have been done at the National Centre Centre. Why not Bolton? Oh, yeah. Why not well, the Northern? Summer. I know it's not great right now, but why not? Why can't they play something at the Northern? Trusty's grass as well. Mm. They could have a, a mini grass season, but no, it's at the National Tennis Centre. I will play devil's advocate with this, saying that the National Tennis Centre is meant to be the pinnacle of British tennis, with the best facilities and such for it. It's a tennis court. That's what, that's what I meant. It's a tennis court. But then you have to remember that in the times that we are where you had all the testing and stuff, it might have been a okay. bit easier there. That's 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 the not, argument. We went to not not Sofen. Yes. And they've got enough place there. Oh, they've got quite a lot. They've got student accommodation so that all the players can stay there. Hmm. They've got a big enough buildings to test them. And he wanted to do it indoors, they've got the hard door course indoors, but if they went to the grass season still, they could have. But no, they went National Tennis Centre. Yes, we'll have it there. <laughs> no four wins. No, I tell you, what, not one four. No, no one four. Oh, why don't we do, do it in Edinburgh? Or move it around. Move it around. Why? why do different we, stages. Yeah. No, well, National Tennis Centre. Yes, that's where we'll have it. And everyone went yes. No, no, not one person for me. Like I said before on the coaching front, I think this is a question that we're not going to answer, and we're definitely not going to solve. No on a little podcast it's something that hopefully if someone listens they might take it on board and might put it forward to a higher authority yeah and the higher That's authority the higher authority oh no 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 we've got Andy Murray no you don't just an East no you don't but I think we can conclude definitely on the coaching side you need more female role models as coaches yeah far more Definitely. Even I, you could probably argue that Judy Murray's not been used to the potential that she could be used to promote female coaches. I reckon there's quite a few female coaches that you could definitely use as, look what you can do if you do this and this and this and this and this. Yeah. If you do this level and then this level and then you can do this. Because there are some very good junior players who I think could potentially be very good coaches and could be very good role models for people. Yeah. And I don't think they're being encouraged enough to do it. I think they're encouraged to do level ones and level twos, help out, and yeah. see it as a job, but they're not being given... I don't think even I was given the information of, look what you can do if you do this and this and this level. Coaching was never, ever an option, especially when I was in high school when they were going through all the stuff I was doing extracurricular. They never once said, oh, you do this you do this helping out on a Saturday with tennis coaching. Yeah. You ever thought of doing that as a career? Never put forward to me. Never, ever put forward. It was sort of like, go to university, get a degree... Bob's your uncle, you don't. Yeah. It's, they're not being advised to do it. That, I think, is the main thing. There aren't the role models and they're not being advised. I think there's a little bit of intimidation with it by the, they're the minority in the classes. Yeah. And most of the time you'll get that one alpha male in your class who will shout above everybody and probably will intimidate most people. 
But to be fair, that's one of the things where you, I feel like you've almost got to have a hard thing and say, this is the hand you've been dealt with. Yeah. Deal with it to an extent. Sounds harsh. Is the same, it could be the same thing if you and I are on a course and we had someone who was shouting the gob off yeah. and we felt intimid- intimidated by it. Yeah. We're not going to just say, oh, well, he's intimidating me. Yeah. Now, that might make me sound a little bit insensitive. Yeah. Which I completely understand and people agree, but I'm just coming from the scenario where you will not have nicey-nice all the time. Oh, no. Of course not. It's difficult. But I think the main thing, if you can get more role models in it, more people for young coaches to look up to, people who are level one and level two, you've then got more, if you get those level one, level twos, you've got people below. You've got the young girls who get used to having a female coach, even if it's just a helper, and they progress onto a coach. Yeah. Yes. And obviously it's just very Sorry, I ranted a little bit then. <laughs> no, it's good. It's, it's a difficult situation. As I say, we don't have the answers. It's... We have ideas. But that's that's all, that's all they are in our position. We yeah. are just... We can't make anything, unfortunately. Not to make us sound very small and minute, but in a way we are. We are just two coaches who try and almost well, make a living from this and enjoy doing it. Yeah. We are not in any position of power to change it, which might sound a little bit defeatist. Yeah, I mean, no. the, only way to, the only way you could implement our ideas is to get to the top. Get to the top of the LTA, it seems. I mean, obviously, it's fair to be at the top of there for a reason, but are they doing the are they doing this in mathematician? Good question. And I'm not, and I'm not sure if it sounds a little bit, but I reckon there are quite a few alpha males quite high up in tennis, anyway, and they might have different ideas. There are people in areas. That I don't want to scapegoat and stereotype people in the higher ends of tennis or any sport really and say they're misogynistic or anything like that but there are people who have certain views and will subtly put certain parts of society down whether they be female whether they be from an ethnic minority or anything yeah and they do it so subtly that they get away with it yeah no. so the next question was asked was why do girls drop out uh, we've covered this a little bit where we talked about how boys are a little bit more sort of competitive with it and they'll stick around with it longer and they just do sport generally. Yeah. And it may, it may once again, it may sound a little bit sexist, but boys naturally, I still think, are more competitive than girls. Oh, yeah, no, naturally, yeah. The best way to... I remember always get... The one thing that I always found quite interesting, and I think this was taught in level three or it was in a course I did, you've got two different ways of learning. Yeah. You've got goal objective and you've got task objective. Okay. The goal objective is basically win. Yeah. That's what you go with. And I think, especially in England, there is a quite a high percentage of coaches who go with win, 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 win. Yeah. The whole system of rank, rankings and ratings is based on winning. winning. Yeah, It's not about developing things and what have you. Yeah. And if you look at the two, boys are very much sort of that goal-orientated. They just want to win at anything. They don't yeah. know how they do it. They are very much the Jose Mourinho-esque type of people. Yeah. 
where we want to win. We don't care how we do it, we just want to win. Yeah. You could have the worst technique, but if you're winning every single tournament you enter, not care in the world. Yeah. Girls, however, are more task orientated. Yes. Yeah. Or most of the time are more task orientated. I won't say that every single girl is task orientated. Yeah. But the majority of them are. Yeah. Where they want to do a specific task right, which is why they excel in things like coursework subjects and what Yeah, happened. yeah. So if you had, let's say, you had a boy and a girl and you gave them say, right, I want you to be able to hit five forehands in a row into this box over here on the court. Yeah. A boy will literally just try and do it straight off the back, won't think of it. The girl will think of it more of the task, how can I do this? What right, yeah. That's where I think you need to be able to coach the individual. Yeah, the same about anything, same about anything, man. It's the same with boys, though. You always got to coach the individual. I don't think you ever get one quite the same. Very oh, yeah. You get very different ways of coaching. I've coached my clients all very differently. Some want a lot of information. Some don't want that much. Just want a couple points here and there. I think, you know, you've got, it's just like you've got to, a, a good coach will recognise that straight away. You've got to be able, even though they might not do it, you've got to be able to sell the dream of tennis. Yeah. You've got to show that, look what could happen if you get this far in tennis. And one person told me, and I'll read this word for word, um, so basically we're talking about goals. So it's easy to keep going when you have any aim, usually to be a player. Once players see their limit, and the dream is gone, why will they keep playing? You've got to give them a goal to sort of aim for. It might be unattainable. Yeah. But if they have that goal, then they'll keep striving for it. It's a bit like... Um, there was the argument I had, going into a little bit of politics, but do you remember when the government came out and said how many tests they wanted to do in a week or something? Oh, like? 100,000. Yeah, and people, sorry, said, yeah. people said it was slightly unattainable. You'd rather aim for something unattainable, and yeah. then get to say like eighty thousand. So you're aiming, you're aiming, but, for, yeah. you're aiming perfection, but you'll you'll settle for very good. It's like in a test, like what what we aim for. I'm aiming for an A star. We're not going to get it. Yeah, but if I aim for a C, and don't get a C, then it's a D. If I aim for an A star and get an A. It's an A. You know, you want, you know, it's one of those. It's like you don't ever. You always have to aim higher than what you think. If you aim for what you think you're going to get, you might get it, but you probably won't because you're not going to put that much effort into it. You always got to aim higher. You've always got to carry on pushing and pushing and pushing. I think a lot, I think boys do that better. Yeah. Good girls, I, but again, there's a different. There's ways you can approach it in terms of girls with a tactical orientation thing is breaking down like the serves into small, not small, but yeah, in small P. You've got little different sections and you've got to get it right once that's right okay that's a tick we're going to be on to this section of the surf now so we're only shot for one take right on that and then it's, then it's like full circle boys want to be from position A to position B like that and like in seconds if they can yeah you just got to approach it differently it's just may you say and I think it's just that that coaching knowledge of realising realising that well one person said to me that if you take 100 boys and 100 girls, the person expected 80 boys to, nat to be naturally competitive and maybe 10 girls. 
Yes. That sounds a little bit extreme. Sounds a little bit extreme and a little bit sexist yeah. to an extent. But I've, I do believe boys are more competitive than girls. It's I think they are, but then from the girls I've coached, it depends, I think it does depend on the sport. But in like the sessions I have with girls, my mini reds, normally don't see kids very competitive, but like the whole group's competitive. When you play games, you want to know who's won. Yeah. They were, he wants who, who won, who won, who won. We are one, right? And they got upset if they didn't win. Which I quite like. Like, alright, yes. you've got that competitive. So I think sometimes in sports it's just funny, like if you go to a sports day and watch you watch like the four year olds and whatnot, they don't know what's going on. And is there like oblivious to like they're in a the race and whatnot. But as you as I think if we can implement like I think being competitive from an early age is really important. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I'm competitive. I never believed in that sort of it's taking part accounts spiel. I don't believe in it, still never believe in it. It's all about winning. Well, we had a little bit of a scenario today where we were doing a bit of a fitness test. Yeah. Because we're both competitive people. Yeah. Both so I of us support you. I just you. <laughs> I just, I was trying for you. Both, both of us were very competitive in this little test. I'm slightly annoyed that he made us do it together. Why? Knowing one of the specific drill. Because I always prefer to do things on my own and isolate. Because I feel like if you put competitiveness in, especially when you're doing a fitness test with it, it doesn't bring out the... I think you pushed me more. Oh, thank you. Uh, I, I like when, to... we, when we did the throwing one, I didn't think I'd have thrown as far. You know, I didn't see you launch it. <laughs> I like how you were, used the word launch. Because the thing is, like, I, I was like, I was something. I saw I saw you doing. I was like, oh my god. Because I'm not a big thrower. You're, you're a lot bigger than me. You're a bigger build. It's not where I, where I excel. But I saw you doing. I was like, right. I've got to get somewhere. <laughs> I can't be like miles behind you. So I think, and I had that one really good throw. Yeah. You know, the way you put that, I think you helped me because we did the um, side-to-side thing. Yeah. And it got to the point where I can't stop and be lacking behind. So I literally threw myself at the line. Yeah, literally. Literally threw myself yeah. at the line to make sure I finished it in a reasonable time. Yeah. So it wasn't, yeah. And got cut in the process. Oh, I've had a lot worse. I mean, it's like when I, I've always been competitive. Like we did, it was an endurance test we did that last month. Yes. I think my last time was the quickest, or it was second quickest time. Because... Just that sort of pushing. The aim was to get under a minute at yeah. every time. And I knew that my second time was, I think it was 56 seconds. So I thought, right, I've got four seconds here, but that's dangerous when you're tired. Mm. So I just pushed. And I think that when I was on like lap eight, nine, ten, I really just sprinted and let the burn happen. Oh, okay. And I, did, I, I was nearly sick at the end of it. I'd, well, you see, I had a completely different mindset. I didn't give completely anything on everything on that first one right okay i sort of just went through it i sort of get i reckon i give about 60 percent of right okay yeah. i did so i was so i was almost i wasn't running and i wasn't jogging it was yeah. sort of a little bit in between sort of very fast jog yeah and heard what the time was thought, all right keep that up and keep going through it so yeah. i wasn't completely belting through to the point where i was nearly sick yeah um i just went through it and i think that's learned Okay. I think that's learned, and that's where us as coaches can help anybody, really, not just girls, yeah. boys as well. Where you sort of like, if you come out of the blocks flying in a two-hour match, that's true. You're going to be knackered after an hour. I get what you mean there. Yeah, I think in terms of what we did, stood though, I, I know where my body's at. I know I can push it. Yeah, I know how to push it. 
it's I know I think I knew when I'm on my limit and I knew I could carry on. I know I'd probably feel ill from doing it, but I didn't care because I know I'd be able. And I'm all right now. No. But some people don't. I don't. I think it's you have to be all right with that that feeling. You have to learn. I think when I do marathons, I've learned that. Well, it's like anything. The natural thing in the body. If you feel any discomfort or pain, you stop. You want to stop. That's that's what it's, it's there. Training for. your body to sometimes forget that because sometimes it's a mental thing. Your your his mind never matter in terms of a lot of the time is you're not actually tired. Your mind's tired, which okay. is fine. You've got to train your mind not to be tired. You get it all the time. But it's you. like the thing because I remember, remember when um, I told you I didn't like running. Yeah. I found out if I could get my mind to wander. Yeah. And just let it go off of the places. Think about something. That's why podcasts help. Yeah. Just think about something else other than what I'm doing this moment in time. It's a lot easier to do. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah, I always envision races. When I'm running, I envision that I'm like, ridiculous it sounds, I'm running next to my barrow and I'm going down the 200 metres straight. And I'm, I've got to win the London Marathon. That's what, but playing that even in my mind, obviously, is never going to happen, but it does distract you, you know? And yeah, so you got you got to find ways to just let your body do its thing. Because a lot of times when I'm, when I was doing my when I did my PB for my five K this year, I was my mind was like, "Why are you doing that?" I just remember saying to myself, "I was like, what, what, what's the point in doing this? What are you getting out of this?" A lot of think a lot of times, then people could stop, mm. but it's just learning to run through the pain because I mean, my legs are screaming. I was literally I was going at such a pace that I've never been at before, breaking barriers. And my legs are on fire, but I was just like, "I'm so close to my PB. If I gave up now, I'm going to hate myself for doing it." I've come this far, I'm 4k in, one more kilometre, three more minutes of just pounding the track. You know, then you do it and you get this massive, like, you, what's the word, euphoria. Yes. Maybe you're like, oh my God, I've done it. You get this high and you feel great. I think that's where you can link it back as well to giving someone a name. Yeah. Giving someone a call. If they're going, it's a bit like if you go to the gym and just sort of say, oh, this will do me good. You don't have a name. Yeah, you won't work as hard, and you won't sort of no. task it up. So giving someone at an early age a goal to achieve in the sport yeah. really helps focus them and keeps them interested. Yeah, it was like um, I did. It, I did it with um, somebody just after lockdown. They weren't happy with the one-handed backhand. I said, "All right, let's let's get you the goal then of transitioning to a two-handed yeah. backhand." It could be something as simple as that, or it could be if you have a little kid. A little kid comes along. I want to win Wimbledon. Fair enough. It might be unattainable. Only yeah. the zero point zero one percent of people do it. Yeah. But if that's what's going to motivate them, why should it be up to me to tell them no? You can't do yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, that's, so I think you've you've got to coach the individual in the right way, and I think with girls, like we said, it's a little bit more maybe task orientated. Yeah. But that's for you as a coach to try and figure out the sign. Yeah, both work. You've got to work it out. So we've sort of, we've sort of come to that point, but um, the next, the last thing I asked uh, the coaches were, what can we do as coaches to help? And I think the main, the main thing that people says is have a very safe initial beginner level competition to settle them in. And I'm sure you... You might have seen it, you might have experienced it yourself, where it's you maybe your first tournament or something, or you've seen it in the first, and the person's had a shocker. Yeah. They've lived, whether that's been performance anxiety or they've 
they're just not comfortable. Competition is always different, isn't it? Yeah, it's com- it's completely different. So much pressure. It's just pressure. You got it. You know, from when I did my my competitions, you see a lot of. I was lucky with my parents in terms of they didn't give me all that added pressure. But a lot of times you get the parents who like coaching the kids constantly and just not letting them enjoy the match. And if they lose a point, the parents, you know, they're talking to them and showing that the match had lost or something. It's like you get that, you're never gonna get you're gonna put people off fly. Yeah, that I think that's where in this country you've got the the goal orientation. Yeah. It's the win at all costs and what have you. If she, if the person hasn't won, then it's not great. I got into a habit because dealing with different people and different experiences, I settled on the fact that if when the parents said, oh, I've entered them into this tournament, I'd always say to them, try and pick up what we've learned in the lesson. If they're putting that into a match situation, yeah, couldn't be happier. Because they've had the confidence to do it in a very stressful situation. I think it helps in that situation when you've got your coach watching you. Yeah. I always found it easier when I was playing at Leeds when my coach was watching me play a match because it, it kind of gave me that confidence that what I was doing was right. Even though I might not be winning every point, you know, you get another head going, right, this is, we're doing the right thing. They worry that it's not working right now, but we're doing the right thing. You know, it'll take a while for it to come off, but, you know, you're in the right high area. A lot of times they want to kick us to tournament on the road. The thing that won't doesn't work for a couple of points and they lose, they're like, oh god. They panic and they go back to the old way. And they lose even worse. You know, it's having that confidence, that's something that and a lot of times parents don't know. Parents don't know what they're looking out for. And all of a sudden, like the parents are what why are you doing that? It's he's gone out five times. Always what we're working on. Well, don't it's not working, is it? And go back go back to hitting the ball down the middle, let's say. Which doesn't work. You need that coach. I think a lot of times you need a coach. I think travelling with a coach. Obviously, the majority of people can't afford it. Well, I think you can't afford it. And two, I think coaches most of the time don't have the time for it. You may, you may, if you're working with... I know one coach once told me you should only ever work with a maximum of four performance players if you get that, that luxury of four. Yeah. Because otherwise you're going to neglect the rest of them. Yeah. That does make sense. So in order to get, give the best of yourself to somebody else, you've got to limit of who you're working with. Yeah. Which, for making money, is not brilliant, but... But as you, as you say, do you remember... Um, for your level three, did you remember doing, like, smart goals? Yeah. I've been around for... You know, I've been doing them since... Yeah. High school, smart goals. Smart goals, not this sort of... Yeah, good. I mean, if it's... Yeah, it's, it's a cheesy way of putting it out, but it, it works. Yeah, it works, so... Yeah, it's the, I think, things, you've got to focus on things that you can control. You can, with, with the result of a match, you can only control really 50% of it. As a coach? As the player. The player can, only, player. The player can only influence 50% of it because they're only one half of the other thing. 100%, yeah. You've got another person, and the other person might be worse. So they've already influenced the match, saying that you're going to be better. Yes. If they turn up and they don't miss a single ball, you can't really do anything about that. They could have one of those points. Oh, right. 100%, yeah. And you've almost just got to focus on the things that couldn't exist. So I always go with people and say, what do you think worked well? They say, yeah. oh, I thought the forehand was quite good. Say, oh, why was it quite good? Go yeah, it's that. easy to 
focus on the negative rather than the positive. Mm. It is I always try to have one of each. So the, they've got the positive of doing something well, they feel yeah. good about doing that. They thought, oh yeah, I did well at that. But then I don't say what was one thing you did badly. You, this is where I think you've got to rephrase it. I think this is where you've got to understand the person as well. So like, what could you have done better? Yeah. So it's sort of a negative, but it sounds a bit more positive. Yeah. There was one thing I remember... Um, We've talked about football a lot, and like, listen, it's a tennis podcast, but it's always good to get influences from the sport. Yeah, I remember a story Gary Neville told about Sir Alex Ferguson, where he came up to him and said, "Son, I'm not going to play you in these next three games, but that fourth game, I want you to be at your best." So you're sort of like, "Is he dropping me for three, or is he really needing me for this one?" Yeah, yeah. It's sort of making the person not feel negative about yeah, a negative yeah. situation and I think with all kids to keep them interested and almost fall in love with the sport you've got to keep everything positive positive oh yeah positive they, they can understand the negative and what have you but always bring a positive out of negative the only time where a mistake is wrong is where you haven't learned from it and that sounds slightly cheesy but it's true you learn from your mistakes oh, of course mistakes are important I think we've talked about I think we'll end up going round and round yeah, with this subject. It's a big subject. It is a big subject. There are, there are things that the LT are doing, as we said, like um, the mishits thing and the she rallies, yep. skiing all this sort of thing. Um, but as we said before, there's probably more, there's more they can do. There's definitely 100%. more they can do. Yeah. But as we said before, it's not for us to design. No. So a little recap. So we've talked about professional game. So ways that they could probably fix that is just making one merging them, merging them together. So if they have equal pay for everything, everything's uniform. You get paid for this tournament, this tournament, this tournament, yeah. this tournament. You would get that club level coaching side, more role, more, more role models. models. Get young girls and young helpers seeing female faces in such a position that they might want to do that. Yeah. Um, from people from stopping girls dropping out and getting them to fall in love I reckon the main points are making sure you understand the person you're teaching yes um, understand how they learn how they respond to certain things how to get the best out of them and make I think even though we've applied it to girls I reckon you can apply it to boys as well but make sure that the person you are teaching has an aim oh yeah 100%. make sure that they've got something to work towards yeah even that's as small as saying to be able to hit a top spin forehand all the way up to the other end of the scale where I want to be winning national, international great tournaments. Yeah. Anything like that. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think that's about it. Yeah, good. The last part of the podcast is anything but tennis. We have talked a bit about things other than tennis in this podcast. but But this is dedicated to something not about tennis and we're going to talk about the greatest film franchises in our opinion in our opinion go on if I think a Harry Potter nerd I love Harry Potter I wouldn't say it's the greatest franchise ever to you is it the greatest franchise not ever no I think it's doing incredibly well it's up there it's top I think Star Wars you think Star Wars I think it's the longest running 
Now this this is where I'm gonna trump you. You say Star Trek forever. This is where I'm Apart from the last ever podcast. This is where I'm gonna trump you. And even though we've been talking about gender equality, it's a little bit of a funny thing to go on, but I'm gonna say James Bond. Okay. I gave you a tart stuff to James Bond. I don't think it's the greatest it's the, I love James Bond, but I don't think it's the greatest franchise ever. It's so difficult. It's my favourite, is how I okay. would phrase it. My favourite though would be Harry Potter. In terms of I love it. I mean, well, it is successful. It's got it's got a theme park. Yeah. Which is the only one, only film, well, forget Disney, but, you know, the only sort of massive section. Obviously, Star Wars has its, has, has its land now in Disney, but... The annoying and the, the, the obvious one that I'm going to go with is it's the Marvel franchise, isn't it? Oh, God, Marvel. How can you forget about Marvel? I can't think, yeah. It's the most... I don't want... It's probably the wrong terminology for it, but it's the most plastic answer, isn't it? Yeah, in terms of financial gain, yes, it is probably the most successful. But I think the problem with Marvel is because it's so big, there's different elements of the films that you like and films that you don't like. If you watch Harry Potter, you like all seven, all seven books, what you films. You watch Star Wars is a mixed bag. I think you get. I think you get once you get to a certain number of films. Yeah, I think it's very Harry Potter, Fantastic Beasts is where that's where it starts coming. I love Fantastic Beasts, but I know people who can't stand Fantastic Beasts. Okay, I think that's when you get into like the proper hardcore things. Like yeah. if you start talking to me about Bond, yeah, I will go off and say even though he was the longest running Bond, I will say I didn't like Roger Moore whatsoever. See, I didn't. I haven't really. Wa- I've watched classic Bonds, but I haven't invested time into them. I see. I've watched every single one of about. I don't know how many times. Yeah, you see, I'm, I'm more invested in the new Bonds. You know, Pierce Brosnan, love Pierce Brosnan Bonds. Which obviously, yeah, I don't think you did by the look No, no. I liked Goldeneye. Yeah. But I felt after that, they were very 90s, very tacky. It wasn't the Bond that I was used to. I always feel like with Bond, it went almost too sort of Mission Impossible and right, too yeah. that's, that's great. That's a great franchise. That is a great franchise, actually. <laughs> Um, I like Bonds having sort of over-egging that Britishness about it which I think I definitely think that um, Daniel Craig's ones have put on them, oh, they? They, yeah. they've used that nostalgia tool of having the DB5 in quite a lot of yeah, it yeah. um, how the way he dresses the things they do the characters that they've used yeah. I think they, they've played on that nostalgia card really well Yes, 100%. Um, other franchises? Um, you've got the Hunger Games. See, I I was never invested in that. I read the books first, before the movies were uh, in, I think. Well, I was invested in it. They were, they were good movies. Um, other ones? What do you class as a franchise? How many films? Three, I think, at least three. I think two is not enough. No, two, two sort of... It's not quite there. No, but um, there's loads out there. You're not on. The worst one, Twilight, is putting it out there. Ooh. I reckon there'll be quite a few people who probably just... I, go three I, I, I can go on record and say I've never watched a Twilight film. I watched ever. the first one, hated it. Um, bit of a guilt... It's a sort of a guilty pleasure because it's just all that action. Is um, the Fast and the Furious franchise. Yeah. No, the, the originals were better, the first few. Yeah. The, the last few, I think they got less about cars and more about... It's more of a story. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Paul Walker's story was, you know, sad and it was a good, good way. But I think they're a little bit much now. 
I think Fast Six was good up until the point where they made a 20 mile long runway. <laughs> yes. And on, and on, yes, and I'll on. agree with you on and that. On, that and on, and on. That runway kept going for incredible. miles. I was watching it. I was obviously watching this thinking, what the hell is happening here? Well, I think that's the whole point of the movie. I know it's unrealistic, but I was thinking this has gone ridiculous. How long is this plane going at like 100? It wasn't even taken off. It was going blasting down the runway. It wasn't taken off. I was just like, this is incredible. <laughs> but oh well. Um, there's loads out there we could be here all night so proper, proper nostalgic one I'll finish on this one is Back to the Future <laughs> love I love Back to the Future okay I'm just going to put this out here the laziest writing ever oh give over the laziest writing yeah but that's not, it's not about it's not what it's about though what's it about Every movie is exactly the same, but it's just set at a different time. Exactly. They're still brilliant. You could argue that about any other film. You could argue No, that it's about... literally the exact same storyline, but one's got hoverboard in it, one's a wooden skateboard, and one's... He's just running. Exactly. They're going to different points in time. <laughs> it's exactly the same. You could argue about about majority of films. I could go... You, it's a bit... I've got... This is probably going to touch a nerve. I could probably go with Doctor Who. He fights an alien. He beats it. He goes off. Yeah, I don't know. It's just... <laughs> the fact the future is you've got to talk about time. You've got to cover yourself. And the amount of paradoxes they created. Take the last one, for example. The only reason he goes back to say to back in time to the Western was to save Doc. Yes. Doc's not alive. So that means originally that gravestone's not there anymore. So he doesn't go back in So time. what you're doing there is you're thinking about things too much. And this is where you probably agree with me with Doctor Who is people are thinking about it too much. I think Doctor Who covers itself pretty well. I'm not... I won't go into the... TV franchises, I reckon Doctor Who's up there. Oh, yeah, 100%. But yeah, I mean, that's really enjoyable, but I'll... Yeah. That's the thing. I like it because I don't really have to think about it. I yeah. watch it and enjoy it. That's why I like it. Okay, that's right. When you start adding logic to things like yeah. that, it's, it's a film that shouldn't have logic in it. That's fair enough. The only thing noise about, okay, is... The whole thing the doc says throughout the way is we got to mess with the space-time continuum. All they do, even though they're not not messing with it in the film, they're not messing with the the space-time continuum. Is they're still messing with the space-time continuum because they're doing things, they're creating paradoxes all the time. Yeah. Constant paradox machines. It's just not, so. Even then, you're thinking into it too much than what you probably should. Be. Yeah, probably true. So, um, that could be, that could be another subject there of films you just watch, but you just turn off and watch it. No. Fast and Furious is probably that one. Yeah, pretty much. You just sit and watch it. But yeah, anyway. That brings us to the end. Yeah. That was a bit... We apolo- I apologise to people. I thought I was quite ranty. In this. I had a good rant. But, yeah. but then again, it's a subject that you should rant about. Exactly. Anyway, uh, well, uh, hopefully we've said some good stuff in there, some positive stuff. Hopefully we're coming from two male tennis coaches it's yes. quite hard yes to empathize and people say well you shouldn't yeah you shouldn't put opinions about it but we've done the research we've asked the people yeah given we've tried we've tried our best yes and we've been as honest as we can anyway well cheers for listening and uh